We're going to talk about forgiveness and unforgiveness. So I want to lay a groundwork this morning um, because it's it's really the key to the rest of our Christian walk, how well we can forgive and how well we can receive forgiveness as well. Because forgiveness is not a natural, it's not natural for us to forgive. It's supernatural. And we have to understand that God has a grace and a mercy for us so that we can totally forgive and release something. There's something about unforgiveness and bitterness. I mean, when we start talking about, I don't know how many weeks we're going to, but there's so much toxins that get released into your system when you refuse to forgive somebody. And it kind of overtakes your mind. Have you ever noticed when you've had a a situation, uh, it seems like all you can do is think about that incident and it just like over, it overruns your mind. And then where we learned about the memory trees and what it's doing is building up more memory and pretty soon you have a stronghold. And the only way you can get rid of that is through forgiveness and deliverance a lot of times. So forgiveness is very important. So what I wanted to do this morning was we have to look at ourselves and remember the crucifixion of Jesus that was for us. So I want to read in Luke 23. I want to read it because sometimes we we talk about the crucifixion, but we really don't understand the crucifixion because, you know, many of us have been saved. I've been saved for 32 years now. You've all been saved longer than me. And sometimes it gets common. I guess it's like a marriage after a while. It just gets common. But I want to refresh our memory this morning on the crucifixion and what Jesus had to go through to pay the price for us. And the whole multitude of them arose, was chapter, verse 1 in Luke 23, and the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate, And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. And Pilate asked him, saying, Thou art the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether this man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at this time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he, was ho- and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And when Herod and his men of war set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. And the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together for before they were at enmity between themselves. And Pilate, when he called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, said unto them, You have brought this man unto me as one that perverted the people. And behold, I, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man, touching these things whereof you accuse him. Know 
nor yet Herod, for I sent him to you, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto them. I will therefore chastise him and release him, for of necessity he must release one unto them at the feast. And I want to just stop there. We start out with the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate, and they began to accuse him. Think about this. The king of the universe, the creator of these people, the one who healed him, them, the one who taught them, the one who spent time with them. Now they're turning around and accusing him. Judas, is best, one of his disciples, betrayed him. And now he's before the magistrate, and they're mocking him and taking, making fun of him. So we're going to go back to verse 18. And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, and a release unto us Barabbas, for who a certain sedition made in the city and for murder was cast into prison. Imagine the injustice of that. Here's somebody guilty, and the people are siding with the guilty one. Now think about your own situation when you get upset because somebody's betrayed you, they're mocking you, they were your friend, and they're saying, give us this person. So think about, I want you, as we're, we're continuing to read, personalize this in the, only, in the situations where you've been wronged and personalize it and think about, put yourself in Jesus' place because he put himself in our place. So let's put ourselves in Jesus' place. Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus, spoke again to them, but they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. How many times have you been good to somebody and then they turn around and they want to crucify you? They mock you. They make fun of you. And he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil has he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And he released unto them him that was for sedition and murder, was cast into prison, whom they have desired. But he delivered Jesus to their will. And as they led him away, they laid hold upon him one Siren, Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country. And on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. Jesus was so weak at that point he couldn't carry the cross. Just think of that. All the good he had done, and now he's being mocked and reviled and spit on. They, they pulled out his beard. He was mocked. He suffered tremendous humiliation, and he was good and suffered tremendous indignity. He healed them. He helped them. And yet now they wanted to crucify him. Think about this in your own situation where you've been so good to people, you've spent time with them, and now they, they mock you, they make fun of you, they, they minimize you. And now Jesus, just like sometimes we have had, he's got very few friends at this point. No one but God could help him, and yet God was strangely silent. How many times have we been in that situation and God is so strangely silent? And we're thinking, God, where are you? Luke 23, we're going to skip down to verse 32. 
And there were also two other male factors led with him to be put to death. And when they came to that place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right and one on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was beaten, he was mocked, he was humiliated. The people who loved him are now screaming for him to be crucified. And yet pure love looked down from the cross and said, Father, forgive them. Who could do that except have a supernatural ability to forgive? And think of your own situation where we've held on to offenses and think of all that Jesus went through. And he could be and he could be the one up there reviling and railing back and saying, Look, I could snuff you out. He made a conscious decision to forgive. And that's what I want to talk about the next couple of weeks is how we can make better decisions and how we can appropriate supernatural grace to forgive because it takes a supernatural grace. When we're offended, we need to learn how to forgive. Forgiveness is such a supernatural, powerful force that the enemy will try to bring offense, 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 offense to keep you from forgiving. But we're going to learn the keys to this in a couple of, it's not going to just be overnight. But if we can really get a picture of all Jesus went through. And I was sitting there and as I read the story and, and I just started crying, I said, God, we don't, I don't understand. You know, I, we take it so lightly sometimes, you know, and we sing the songs and we, and yet, do we really, can we really put ourselves in his place after all he went through? And yet he can be nailed to the cross and say, Father, forgive them. And that was the whole reason he came to earth was so that he could be, he could be beaten and reviled and everything else and then be up on the cross and say, God, forgive them. And yet somebody says, you know, you didn't sing that very good and we're like offended for a week. So we're going to learn how we can mature in this because we're all at different. Some people can forgive really easy, like, you know, and let things roll off their backs. Other of us hold on. A lot of it's, you know, the way we've been raised, a lot of it's insecurity. But And we're not going to go in the psychological lens. I just want to sit in the spiritual end of it and just think about what Jesus did for us. He said that in verse 34, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots, and the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with him derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. How many of you are mocked? How many of you, and and listen, we're in the last days, it's going to get worse. You know, we very well could be rounded up and arrested. I'm not prophesying that. I'm not smart enough to know what, what's going on. Quite frankly, I just want the grace when it happens. I don't need it right now. But when it, you know, when something bad happens, I want to know how to get a hold of the grace to stand for it. Amen? So do you. Because I've learned this last year that every day is a gift. 
every day that we can walk about freely is a gift. I was reading all these uh, stories. I, I like the Gateway Pundit, and it, it's got stories that you don't read anywhere else that a, a province in Canada, they won't let people who are unvaccinated go out to the grocery store. So don't think that this stuff is not happening, and it's happening in the world. And we need to have forgiving hearts. We need to say when the oppressor comes at us, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Because there's so much of a spiritual force released with that. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other one answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. So we've got the two type of people, one continuing to rail at Jesus and then one saying, Lord, remember me. And that should be our cry every day, Lord, remember me. Remember me. Perfect forgiveness. Perfect love. We can see where perfect love casts out fear. When we get a revelation of Jesus' perfect love, then we're not afraid to face our accusers. He opened his, he opened not his mouth when he was accused. How many of us want to defend ourselves when somebody says something against us? And we're right away, well, you know, well, we, you, and uh, we open not our mouths because that comes from a place of power where we're not having to defend ourselves. God says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. There's, I would rather not fall into the hands of the living God. Amen? I would rather let my accusers fall into the hands of the living God. And I have years ago, well, not, well, kind of years ago, but then not years ago, I had a little incident and I really needed God's help to get over it. And I've told you about the incident before. But in Psalm 5, it says, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness, in verse 8. Well, actually, well, let let me see. Uh, Start with verse 1. Listen to my words, O Lord. Give heed to my sighing and groaning. Hear the sound of my cry, my God, my King. For to you do I pray. In the morning you hear my voice, O Lord. In the, in the morning I prepare for you and watch and wait for you to speak to my heart. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, neither will the evil man so much as dwell temporarily with you. Boasters can have no standing in your sight. You abhor all evildoers. You will destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors and rejects the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But as for me, I will enter your house through the abundance of your steadfast love and mercy. 
I will worship toward and at your holy temple in reverent fear and awe of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way level before my face. For there is nothing trustworthy or steadfast or truthful in their talk. Their heart is destruction. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter and make smooth with their tongues. Hold them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own designs and counsels. Cast them out because of the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. But let all those who take refuge and put their trust in you rejoice. Rejoice. See, David was saying here, he's putting them in his hands. I would not want to fall in God's hands. All who take refuge and put their trust in you rejoice. Let them ever sing and shout for joy because you make a covering over them and defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you and be in high spirits. For you, O Lord, will bless the uncompromisingly righteous, him who is upright and in right standing with you. As with a shield, you will surround him with goodwill, pleasure, and favor. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. God showed me this scripture day. I was ready to just about go punch somebody. And that was mild. I I had a shield around me. I had perfect peace all day. I forgot about the incident and I went about my business. That's what perfect forgiveness will do for us is we can just say, God, you know, I'm putting them in your hands. I'm not mature enough to just forgive and release. I need help with that, but I'm going to put it in your hands and I'm asking for you to surround me with a shield and cover me. How much is that going to help us when we're all by ourselves somewhere and we can't go on Facebook or pick up the phone or even be with our spouse or somebody else? We need to have a real solid relationship with the Lord where we understand he puts a, a cover around us. And if we do the right thing and release our enemies in his hands instead of trying to justify ourselves, God will do the right thing for us. Amen. He did it for Jesus on the cross, didn't he? And then truly, afterwards, when the stone was rolled away and the guard said, truly, this is the Son of God, what a witness and a testimony. See, we're, we've died to ourselves, and now we're witnesses and testimonies to the lost and dying, to bring conviction, to bring hope and healing to those who are lost. But if we're walking around with unforgiveness and somebody says something cross to us and we carry that, then we're not going to be the witness that God wants us to be. That's why we're going to spend so much time on this. Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus was tempted in every way that we were, that we are, but he did not sin. So he left a pattern for us. Hebrews 12, 2 and 4, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I mean, think about it. He did despise the shame of the cross. Jesus was pure. He didn't want to do that, but he set aside his own feelings. Sometimes we don't want to do what God is asking us to do. Sometimes we don't want to forgive because we feel that it's a big 
a big sin that somebody else committed against us? Have you ever done a big sin? Anybody else? Please don't raise your hand because I think we all could. So we're going to talk about the forgiver and then the one who needs forgiveness because we've been on both sides. How do I know that? Because we're human beings. And he says, Father, forgive them. He didn't make a, he didn't qualify that. Just forgive the people I like. Well, that's easy. I could forgive my husband in a heartbeat, you know, and maybe I can't forgive somebody else because I don't like them. And, and that's what God had told me once. I was praying for somebody and they just annoyed me. You ever run into people that just annoy you? I mean, it's like their very presence. They walk into the room and none of you here, okay? They're all up in Massachusetts and other places. But um, th- this one particular person who was in Massachusetts, so I can use this example, just annoyed me. Just got under my skin, always said the wrong thing, always did the wrong, just annoyed me. And I was praying and I said, God, please help me forgive this person. And the Holy Spirit spoke right back to me. One of the few times I heard really clear and says, well, you can't forgive them because you don't love them. You have no love toward this person. So I had to increase my love walk toward this person and ask God, please give me the grace to love this person. So sometimes we don't forgive because we don't love them. I mean, honestly, let's just be honest. We just don't love that person and they just annoy us. Have you ever been annoying to people? We all could raise our hand for that too. But he says on here, okay, verse 3, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And Jimmy Swagger, the commentary says this, Jesus will carry us through to the end, for this is what the word finisher means. But we must keep our eyes on Jesus and what he did on the cross. Jesus is the source, but the cross is the means. Okay, Jesus is the source, and he had to do it through the cross. Keep our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith. We're going to have more victory in forgiving the unforgivable in our eyes. I'm just going to say the unforgivable in our eyes. You know, we're talking about the people that we can't forgive for whatever reason. Consider Jesus instead of yourself and you will have the victory, not only in unforgiveness, but everything in healing. Consider Jesus over yourself. Consider Jesus over yourself and your finances. Consider Jesus over yourself with your children. He died on the cross for all of this so we could be free. We need a deeper revelation of what Jesus went through on the cross and and what the victory When he said, Father, forgive them, total victory at that point, and the devil knew he was finished. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21, it says, For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then then we're all dead, and that he died for all, and that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So we're not our own. 
Bible says in 2 Corinthians, it says we are bought with a price. 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry. We're bought with a price. Therefore, honor God. Hence, uh, verse 16, Wherefore, henceforth we know no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we know him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and had given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciled the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray in Christ's stead, ye be reconciled to God. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We are the righteousness of God in him. We no longer know Jesus after the flesh. Now we know him after the spirit. Connection. We have a relationship with him. The reason we can be righteous is because we have a relationship with the righteous one. And it makes a whole big difference. Righteousness is a covenant word. It's a covenant relationship with God. We are the righteousness of Christ. We don't have to walk with our head down. We don't have to hold things. That's why once you really understand how righteous you are, you can let things start to roll off your back. You don't have to hold things that formerly that, that held you. Because you, Why? Because you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Father, my enemies are in your hands. You notice how Pilate and Herod, the enemy of my, or the friend of my enemy is my friend or whatever that thing is. They became friends to, to hook up against Jesus. And that's what happens a lot of times with unforgiveness is somebody gets a little bitterness and then next thing they're telling somebody else and then you've got a whole stronghold there. But see, unforg- uh, forgiveness will break that stronghold. It breaks that stronghold off of you because you don't have to walk around with toxins flooding through your body. You don't have to walk around with sleepless nights and anger and wasted time because you're so upset over what somebody did to you. You can just release it in the hands of the Father. God, you take care of it. And God could maybe snuff them out. I don't know. I don't know because God loves them as much as he loves you. And, and there are always two sides to the story too. But we don't want to talk about that this time. God left us a pattern to follow for every situation in life, including how to forgive people that have wronged us, how to let go. Sometimes we don't know how to do it because we're so trained in the physical, we don't understand the spiritual. But I'm telling you, the spiritual is powerful. If we can see the, if we can see the power in the spiritual, then we're more willing to let go of some of these things that it really don't matter much. Jesus' most gracious words were spoken while he hung on the cross. He asked God to forgive those who had brutally abused him. He didn't place conditions on anyone to ask for it. He didn't say, God, forgive them if they just do it. If they just, God, if they just come to you and humble themselves, 
I'm asking you to forgive him. He didn't place a condition on it. How many times do we place a condition on our forgiveness? Well, they got to come to me first. Then I'll forgive them. You know, I mean, uh, Jesus just said, Father, forgive them. It was such a gracious. Have you ever done something horrible to somebody and they have forgiven? Or something that you feel. Sometimes I feel bad about something that I'll say to Clarence. And I'll go, you know, honey, will you forgive me for saying that? And he'll go, forgive you for what? And I know he's not fooling around with it. He means it. You know, it's like, but I got so convicted over what I said. And he'll go, well, forgive me for what? And, I, and I'm instantly released because it, it, it's so gracious. Or he'll say, well, of course I forgive you. I love you. And, and it's just so gracious. You know, it's like, yeah. You know, Lord, I thank you. I love that man. He's just so gracious. But that's why God, he doesn't place conditions. And then you know what? Also, he doesn't bring it up again. He said, Father, forgive them. And he doesn't look at the Roman soldier who said, truly, this was God. You know, and come down and say, you're darn right I'm God. So why? He doesn't do that. Who does that? People. People in the physical. God places no condition. He says he forgets our sins. He places them as far as the east is from the west. And we enforce these things. Sometimes we keep bringing it up, what people did five years ago, what people did 10 years ago, what people did 15. Well, you don't know what happened to me, what they did to me. It's time to forget it. It's time to release it. And it's time to let it go so we can come up to a higher spiritual maturity. Why do we have power? Spiritual power is because we can release these things that were done to us and say, it doesn't matter. We're coming to a time in our history where none of this stuff is mattering right now because we're getting ready. We're getting ready. We have to get ready. We have to get a firm foundation in the things of God because all of this petty stuff isn't going to matter when you've got people with guns coming in, when you've got people that are going to take you, when you've got things that are going to happen that we don't even imagine. And who would imagine a year ago that any of this would have happened? You know, we were still hoping that things would be overturned a year ago. Who would have thought any of this would have happened? So I don't even, I've stopped reading the book of Revelation and I'm reading the book of Acts because I want to know how the, how did the apostles handle things? Yes, you need to read the book of Revelation, but you also need to read the book of Acts to see how the disciples handled because they were intensely persecuted. They were arrested. They were beaten. And read how they handled things. Amen. Stephen said, Lord, lay not this to his charge. And what happened? Out of that simple prayer, Paul, Saul of Tarsus, got a revelation. So while we're being persecuted, who's going to get the revelation that Jesus is Lord? Because we open not our mouth to revile them that are persecuting us. Amen. That's the goal. We're not there yet. Okay. Oh, some of you maybe are. I can tell you I'm not there yet. But Jesus was always in control. He said, I, you don't take my life from me. I lay it down. 
And I've been saying that to myself every day in the mirror as I get ready and make myself purdy. I say, I am in control of my life. You don't take my life from me. I choose to lay it down. Amen? Nobody can take you from you. You choose. So who's got the power then? We do. I choose. I choose to forgive you. Although I did, I've got to be honest, somebody said that to me once. And they also added, and and really, honestly, with this person, I didn't do anything wrong, okay? But this person was one that was really offended at everything. And um, she was also hyper-spiritual. And she said, well, she goes, I will forgive you because God told me that I have to forgive. (laughs) Okay? So if you're going to forgive somebody, just say, I forgive you and cut it there. Okay, you know, don't put that little dig in there that, you know, you weren't, you're such a worm that nobody can, nobody can forgive you except for God. So that's why I'm forgiving you. So if if you've got to say it like that, then maybe it's better to wait until you actually mean it. But um, we lay our lives down for the gospel. We forgive because God has forgiven us greatly. And we have control over our emotions. We walk in the power and grace that God has provided provided for us by the death of Jesus on the cross. In his gracious, we can walk in the grace and mercy that he walked in. We can have a life of forgiveness. We can have a life of graciousness. We can change. And we can demonstrate true humility and righteousness by associating ourselves with God who put himself on that cross willingly. He endured shame willingly so that we can have the power to forgive because he knew. We choose to forgive. We're not victims. We can say, I choose to lay my life down. When we're petty, forgiving, we demonstrate immaturity, stubbornness, pride, and self-righteousness, and we need to lay our feelings down at the cross. Amen? We all need to grow in forgiveness. We all do. It's not anything that's natural. In John 8, Jesus forgave the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. He graciously told her she was forgiven, and he said, go and sin no more. So God does have boundaries, too. Amen? When Jesus taught on the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, he told us what we must do. And then in the words, I'm going to read Matthew 6, 14 and 15, but I'm going to stop in between because it's got some expository that I want you to hear. So the, the verse says, well, maybe I'll just read the verse and I'll go back. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So that's verse 14. But let's go back and read what it says. For if you forgive men, it must be the God kind of forgiveness. Their trespasses, their large sins, 
your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And it says in expository, forgiveness rests totally on the atoning work of Christ. It is an act of sheer grace. It's grace that we can forgive. Okay, next verse. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Okay, so it says in the expository, it says, if you want God to forgive you, you must at the same time forgive others. If not, his forgiveness for you is withheld. Consequently, you are in jeopardy of losing your soul. Do you see the importance of it? How do you how can you lose your soul if you don't forgive? Well, you can become bitter and you can become farther and farther away from the cross and walk away. The ministry of reconciliation is in the gospel. We read it already where he says we've given what we've been given what the ministry of reconciliation. Recorded in Matthew 18, 21, 22, Peter asked Jesus, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? See, Peter was always looking for a loophole. You know, he wanted, he, he wasn't the accountant, but he could have been, you know, well, okay, you know, here's my, here's what you did and I forgave you. And then you came back and you did this and I forgave you. Jesus, how many times? Until seven times? And Jesus says unto him, I say not unto you until seven times, but until seventy times seven. And that signifies to me that Jesus expects us to forgive as many times as necessary. Okay, and we're going to talk about setting boundaries in later classes because we're not doormats. And Jesus wasn't a doormat either. He forgave, but he set boundaries. Matthew six fourteen and 15 in the Amplified says that if you forgive people their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, and giving up your resentment, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So it's, it's a two-part thing. It's not always. And, and also, when we go back and we look at what Peter said, he said, how... Against me, well, brother signifies covenant relationship, signifies relationship. They're in relationship. How often if I'm, I'm in relationship with? And I've already answered the question with my marriage with Clarence, we're in covenant relationship. So how often should I forgive him? Because the people that you're closest to are the ones that are going to annoy you and bug you the most. Why? It's because you spend most time with them. They see the real you. They're the ones that see everything. So consequently, it's sometimes it's seven times 70. You know, we just do things. We do things to annoy. I can be a real pest sometimes when he's trying to, when he's trying to study, I can be a pest. Not so much now because I finally realized that he was really trying to study. <laughs> but Sometimes I just pest, be pesty, and he forgives me. So Jesus expects us to forgive just as many times as necessary. 
Micah 7.18, it says, Who is a God like you who forgives iniquity and passes over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retains not his anger forever because he delights in mercy and loving kindness. Proverbs 11.17, The merciful, kind, and generous man benefits himself for his deeds return to bless him, but he who is cruel and callous to the want of others brings on himself retribution. It's in our best interest to forgive. Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Okay, so it's forgiving, but it's having the right attitude. Not like that person who forgave me, but added, because God told me to. Okay? We have to have a right attitude about it. And if we have to say, God, help me to see that person the way you seemed. You know, God loves everybody, even the people you don't like. Even the people that you have wronged. Even the people who've acted out of ignorance and have hurt your feelings. Even the people who have maliciously, like Jesus, when they plucked out his beard, God still loved those people. Let it sink in what they did. Go home when you, when you leave, when you've got your quiet time and read the, read the crucifixion over again. Read that story over again. And say, God, really reveal to me that day, that time. Because he, Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And then he was reviled. And they're saying, crucify him. Could our heart take that? Could we take that, what Jesus took? No, we couldn't. That's why he did it in our place. And now he gives us the grace that we can walk in his place so we can forgive those that we deem unforgivable. Proverbs 13.6, Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way, but wickedness overthrows the sinners. Romans 8.4 and 6, That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Releasing someone from wrongdoing will give you abundant life and abundant peace. God has a grace that you can release it. And he'll make it so that that place in your memory, God can take that place in your memory and he can smooth it over. And he can make it so that you don't even remember it. Isn't that a good God? Some of you have been through some pretty horrible things. And God can take that area. He'll validate it and he'll say, yes, it was horrible. But now I'm going to take it and I'm going to smooth it over. And you're going to remember it no more. It's like if there was a giant crack in that wall and we just took it and smoothed it over and somebody came and sanded it and repainted it and you couldn't even see it anymore. And that's what God can do with your memories. He can heal damaged memories and get just give you a release. And there's so much power in that if we just learn how to let go and forgive. And God will heal and take care of the rest. Amen. Why don't you come up, Pastor, and you can finish.
Praise God. Somebody said, well, I wanted to shout. <laughs> well, you know what? Now we got something to shout about. You know, this is a truth that God's people need to get a hold of. When I say God's people, I'm talking about the church. I mean, even right here, I've been, I, I mean, not just here, but a lot of places I've been, but even here. <laughs> Someone's come in and they said, well, you know what they did 10 years ago? So what? How many believe the blood of Jesus can reach back 10 years and take care of anything? You know, we're, we're, we're too easy to judge. You know, oh, this, this one here, I tell you, well, they got a record on file. So what? So did a lot of people that Jesus redeemed and saved during his walk on the earth. You know, it doesn't really matter. Amen? Because that's what forgiveness does. And you know, if you hold it in, it's going to destroy you. Not only spiritually, but physically and emotionally and mentally. Unforgiveness is like a cancer. I mean, it'll just spread and just destroy the the person. We, we, amen. Just doors your past don't matter to me. You don't judge a person by their past. Never have, never will. I judge a person by their character. And that character that is towards God and pure in love, that's a good character. Even people that's got a good character of love and forgiveness, sometimes they have flaws in their life. Amen? I'm sure I've got some flaws. If, if I stand in the mirror and look close enough, I may find some. If you're around me long enough, you may find some. But you know what? Just remember the blood that covered you covers me. Amen. We have to forgive. You have to release it. Release it. Because I want to be like Jesus, don't you? To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. All I ask. Is to be like Him All through life's journey Earth to glory All I ask Is to be like Him Could you just lift your hand and just Do it as a consecration to him to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like him. All through life's journey. On earth to glory, 
that's what we have to do. Listen, we're living in a new generation. <laughs> this is a generation that our forefathers, our church fathers and people from 50, 60 years ago never experienced what we're experiencing today in our nation. We may have some to walk through the doors. We have to let the love of God flow. Now, I'm not saying let someone walk through the door and be militant about what they believe and start trying to force everything, you know, on that. But I'm talking about us having the power of the love, the power of the love of God flowing. Amen. <laughs> Listen, God can do anything. God can do anything. Praise God. God can change anybody. Just look in the mirror. <laughs> he changed us. He transformed us. Thank God. And I want to be like Jesus, don't you? Praise God. This is a good teaching. Because we as believers have to forgive as Christ forgave. In order to do that, we've got to have the Spirit of Christ in us. And we've got to have that power of Christ in us. And thank God. Hallelujah. The past is gone. Yesterday is in the tomb. Amen. You're not going to have another yesterday. It's gone. Tomorrow still in the future. But we're here today. Today. Today I choose to forgive. Today I choose to live for God. Today I choose to let God's power flow through me to others. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet today. Did y'all get anything out of that? Praise God. I did.